You are now listening to the Cinnamon and Sugar Podcast featuring D'Angelo Williams and Gary Barnage. You push play and they'll push the limits. Yeah. We're told uh, somebody has to get off the call, so we can't even talk about it. Oh, okay, oh, fine. oh! <laughs> that audio is terrible too. That was horrible audio, horrible audio, guys. We are we want to apologize about that uh, audio incident with time. Uh, we'll get that corrected next podcast. But we'll, Gary, we'll try. We don't know if he's gonna make it. Yeah. Here's the thing, Gary. Um, I I don't even know where I want to begin. I, we could start with the Carolina Panthers, I'm but I, I'm. I told you so. That's all. What? I, I've been preaching, trying to get us PJ Walker to start, and he looked like the best passing quarterback they have. <laughs> I'm just saying. What? Hold up. See, I didn't think this was going in this direction, man. I there's a lot to unpack here in this Tampa Carolina game. But we'll start with the Carolina Panthers side, since this is the side that Gary seems like he wants to start at. Okay, start of the week last week, they get rid of Robbie Anderson. Why do you get rid of a Robbie Anderson, Gary? So, so here's the thing: the Carolina Panthers are what one in five going into this game. Okay, why why would a team want to get rid of their best players at this particular time, even though they got rid of their coach? I, I I know the reason, but I want you to answer that question, Gary, so people out there understand what the Carolina Panthers did. We're not talking about Christian McCaffrey right now. We're talking about just solely Robbie Anderson. Why do a team get rid of Robbie Anderson? One in five, the fans are clamoring, hey, we need to get back on the winning track. We can still make the playoffs. Well, why do you get rid of one of your top wide receivers if that's the mindset your fans have? Um, because obviously they had a dispute on the sideline, and that probably played a little bit into it. And also, he do a lot of money coming up, and they're revamping because they know that whoever the new head coach is going to be, they may not like it. They might as well try and get something for it now. Revamping? We've been revamping, bro, for three, four, five years. What do you mean? How are we revamping? They're doing it again. And and when we get to it, you'll see with what the next move they made when we get to that part shows they're rebuilding everything from the ground up uh, and trying to unload those big contracts that were given from the previous uh, regimen from the head coaches. I don't Not the head coach, obviously, because the same uh, – same GM's still there, so he's still doing everything he's got to do. But uh, I think he's realizing these guys aren't going to work because I think Robbie Anderson was Matt Rule's guy. So they're trying to get okay. to unload him because he had Matt Rule coached him in college. So it's more unloading who Matt Rule's guy was because I'm sure he was a little upset Matt Rule got fired. And that plays into it. And I would say when we get to the next part, there's even more. Okay. So – so, I mean, what are we telling the fans, though? Because obviously the fans, one in five, uh, you hadn't told us, hey, we're going through a rebuilding stage. Obviously, you know, uh, we just beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the defending Super Bowl champs. Uh, 
I mean, I mean, not defendants. I mean, since he won, but you you know what I'm well, saying. Like Brady they they, won, but, yeah. yeah, yeah, they 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 won one with Brady. Basically, what I'm saying yeah. is like, yeah, we we were one in five in obscurity. They're telling the fans, oh, we're not giving up, all that kind of stuff. They're saying all. The but but their moves show something different, though. I agree. They're just saying what they need to say because they need to say the fans not leaving, even though. Like for the Tampa game, I believe I saw a stat that forty percent of the tickets were already sold. And we're supposed to be at the game. Like they didn't want to sell out all that kind of stuff because like everybody was upset about what happened. And then you have some fans saying, Oh, it was a good move, getting rid of these people. But again, you're not gonna win with that. So I don't understand. Yeah, they won. They won the game and it felt because they actually had somebody who was competent throwing the ball or something. Yeah, PJ Walker did play like good last year. You you want to get the PJ Walker so bad. I, I'm slow playing it too. I'm slow playing it too because I don't. I'm tired of hearing. I told you so. I don't want. Time was here because you know time was never a PJ Walker guy. He wanted yeah. Baker and Sam Darnold, and I've been clamoring for PJ, but he went okay. Cam Newton last year, and I wanted PJ. Okay, so so we get rid of Robbie Anderson. And we're telling the fans, hey, we we gonna get back on track. We're gonna get back to our winning ways. However, our actions are showing we rebuild and we retooling. Correct. I'm gonna I'm gonna take a step back. I'm gonna digress a little bit because I don't I'm not really sure. Did we talk about the Matt Rule uh firing? We, we did. Okay, so the the guy that loses the most in this is Steve Wilkes. Correct. Uh because he inherited the team. Right. We we talked about that. So he wins this game. Let's just say he takes this team that he has right now to the playoffs. Is Steve Wilkes the head coach of the Carolina Panthers next year? No. What? No. You, you, no, you got to talk about this. So you mean to tell me if Steve Wilkes take a 2-5 and five Carolina Panthers team to the playoffs, he's not the Carolina Panthers head coach next year? Because I think what's going to happen is Tepper's going to want his own guy in there that he wants, and he's going to tie Wilkes to that rule era, and I think he's just going to wipe it, and he's going to start fresh. That's why. I think it's more of the ownership's going to make that call, and the GM's not going to make that call. That's that's crazy, Gary. I've if seen... If you, if, all right, here's my question to you. If Wilkes brings him to the playoffs, and Eric Biamis interested in coming coaching Carolina, you going to turn down Eric Biamis? For Wilkes? Well, first of all, they they chose Matt Rule over Eric Manmead in the first place. So you're making it sound like you making it sound like he's even sexier now than he has been in the past. Well, that, I'm just saying that's another option that could be going to make mistakes as it relates to what coach to choose and and what coach to pick. You know, I still say, uh, and I'll always say this: um, that Super Bowl team that made it to the Super Bowl with the with the with the Panthers. That wasn't that wasn't the GM that chose that guy was not the same GM. But I'm not getting into that. But we we've talked about that. I, I don't. I, that's crazy that you think that though, Gary. That okay. All right. All right. I think, I think everything Tepper has shown is proven that he always wants his people. But uh, so I think that's what he'll do. Who was his people? Yeah, that's who he wanted. I thought he, he went through. Like, he went through like a coaching service, and the coaching service said that this yeah, is if like you the, a, if you went through a coaching service, Matt Rule would never have been your first choice. 
<laughs> hopefully, yeah, hopefully not, right? Uh, or, or don't use that coaching service again. Damn, man. So you saying it's damned if you do, damned if you don't for Steve Coach Will? Will. I do. I do. I think I don't think there's any chance. He, Does he I get? Think, we I take think, him to the playoffs. He takes him to the playoffs. He's not a head coach for Carolina. He could be for another team. Okay. All right. I respect. So I, I do think it would catapult him for another team's opening if there's teams openings and stuff. But I just I don't see Tepper keeping him because it just keeps part of the Matt Rule era around, and I don't think he wants that because he already has that negative aspect of the Matt Rule era. So. Okay. All right. So Steve Wilkes, he he goes down with the boat. Let, let me clarify. Carolina's not going to make the playoffs, though. No, 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 no. That's what I, I mean. We we obviously know that. Yeah. So we're gonna go the real realistic way. Like they're gonna finish uh, below average. They're gonna be the team that we know that they uh, are going to so, be. So here's my question to you then: If we know Carolina's more than likely not gonna make the playoffs, yes. And do you want them to finish in the middle of the pack, or do you want to finish at the bottom to get a better pick? Like, <sighs> Like obviously they're gonna tell you they're not they're not like they're not tanking or anything because they're gonna try to compete keep competing and all that kind of stuff. But like, what do you what do you do if you know you're rebuilding behind the scenes, telling everybody they're not? How do you handle that situation? Because if you go and win seven games, you're in the middle of the pack on the draft. You might be around our pick twelve to seventeen, and you could have been in the top five. That could really help your team. Gary, I I just thought about something, man. I so you say tanking, and we've talked about this before. Yeah. When you say tanking and being in the middle of the road, bad team, like what do you mean by that? Because there's a lot of fans that take it like when you say that as if players are physically and mentally oh. like you see what I'm saying. So players if you are, players will never go out. Right, right. What makes them such a bad team, though? Well, they they have a all three of their quarterbacks are backup quarterbacks. They're not okay. or legit starters, and I think it starts there. And I think that's probably the biggest. And then same with backs. They're trying to figure out who their backs going to be now. Obviously, yeah. we haven't even discussed that. We're gonna get to that. We're gonna get to that. They traded away one of the receivers. They still have a really good receiver in DJ Moore, who played really well yesterday. But they didn't get rid of him, though. But he's on the market right now. Uh, still have more time till the trade deadline. Uh, so if they gotcha. really get rid of him, too, then you literally can't say, oh, we're still playing for this year. But I will say they are keeping some core pieces because there was a report yesterday that some a team offered a two first-rounder for Brian yeah. Burns, and they turned it down, which is smart. I think Brian Burns is the, him and uh, – I think it's Derek Brown's D tackle. That is the base of their defense. And then their yeah. corners are young. They're good. It's so like, I think, keeping their defense. And then they can work on – because then maybe they like uh, Matt Corral, who's injured on the IR this year. Maybe they like him as the QB of the future. We don't know behind-the-scenes stuff because we never saw him really play because he got hurt in training camp. So maybe right. they think they have their QB of the future, and they're not worried about QB. They need other stuff. They need to shore their own lineup. They did that this year. They drafted somebody, but they have so many more holes on their own line. They still need to fix. Man, their offensive line is trash, bro. Yeah, it's just, they drafted somebody this year, but they need more. 
Okay. So I'm the Carolina Panthers. And I'm telling my fans that we're not giving up. We still got so much fight in us. so, so this is what I want to discuss before I, I, I continue to move on and then we talk about Christian McCaffrey and stuff like that. It, it, is this because there's certain things that are coming up. So as a head coach, an interim head coach, you know that your only possibility of getting a head coaching job in the National Football League is taking a bad team and making that bad team look like they can play. But you're also fighting the tanking uh, 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 atmosphere or the hey them giving up not necessarily them giving up how do you counteract that as a head coach that's trying you see what I'm saying yeah. like I need you guys right now the only way that I can better myself or better my coaching opportunities is if I can get a job uh, somewhere else or here because the next step up from coordinator is head coach gear there's no other that's the that's that's the next level before you you get an office job over coaching as it relates to the football. So if I need you guys right now, we're two and five. How, how do we turn this thing around if we can even turn it around? So the head coach lingo you would use because if if you're getting rid of all your best players, yeah, your best players in your team, and your players see that, they're gonna have a a feeling of doubt with what y'all are doing. They know that something's going on, even though you're telling them all this other stuff. But for coach lingo that you make them get over that doubt is you'd be like, hey, we're getting rid of these players because we know you have the ability to replace them. And we're going to give you that shot so you can prove yourself and hold yourself to a bigger forefront for this team. That's your coach lingo to make them play harder. Like, oh, they have faith in me. They know what I can do. So they would have no problem getting rid of him or him or him because they know I can I can replace him with no loss. And as a player, that's starting to trick your mind. Hey, I'm just as good when well, you're not, but they're gonna that's what the coach is gonna tell you to make you do that and make you play harder and play more. And because you know you're gonna have to. He has to rely on you. He's gonna do something to try and convince you that we're not giving up. Even though ownership, the GM may be on the season, <laughs> but the players aren't. The players don't ever want to give up because, again, they are always playing for their next job. If they're not on that team next year because a new coach comes in and wipes out the roster, they're playing for to be on the team next year. They're going to be playing for right. the So as a player, you're always going to play to your best of your ability and never tank because you know, hey, this is a tryout for another team next year because I'm probably not going to be here next year. And that's what a lot of the, the fringe players are going to be playing for. The stars like DJ Moore, Brian Burns, Derek Brown, those type of guys, they may be traded, but they're not playing. They're not going to get cut. The other guys may, like you have Chuba Hubbard and you have Deontay Foreman. They like them, but the new coaches that may not. They may release them and want to bring their own guys in, and now they're playing for a roster position on another team. So, But their way of, as a player's thinking, is, oh, I'm going to use this opportunity to show I can play for any team. Okay. All right. So... I'm a new head coach. I, I've just taken over the Carolina Panthers. Obviously, I want all my core pieces and I need my best pieces in order to make this happen. Like I said, this is my opportunity in the National Football League to propel myself. There's nothing else higher than a head coach as it relates to being on the field. He's a coordinator. He's been there before. And I'm talking about Coach Wilkes. Uh, and now he wants to be a head coach. Okay. Up pops Robbie Anderson. He's gone. Now, 
Christian McCaffrey gets traded to the 49ers for like three, four, five picks. If I'm the head coach, obviously I'm not making these decisions to get rid of my best players because my best players are going to help me get this head coaching job. So what am I saying as a head coach to this GM that's getting rid of all my good players? Like, hey, man, you I, I don't have a leg to stand on out here. I can't win damn football games because I'm still expected to win these football games here. I don't give a damn who's out there. I am expected to not only compete, but I'm also expected com- to compete and win football games. Uh, something has to give. I don't understand this. Correct. As, uh, I don't know what you really can say because the GM is the basically your boss. So. You can only go up and say, what's the plan? And I think that's what they, he probably needs. Like, what's your what's your idea of plan on what we're doing with this team? Because I need to know how to, a way to spin it for the players. And I think that's probably what he did. He's like, so what are you doing? You're getting rid of McCaffrey. You're, so you're saying we're still playing for this year. And then that's where he would probably say, oh, well, we have faith in the guys behind him. We got a great deal. It's going to help build our, our team for next year and the year after. And so I think we can continue with what we have. And then that's where Wilkes would go and say to Foreman and Hubbard and be like, hey, we have confidence you can do the same thing McCaffrey was doing. And we have faith in it. We're going to use both of you. And I think we won't miss it. And that rejuvenates those players, gives them the opportunity, and allows the team to be like, oh, well, he's not giving up on us, so we're not going to give up on him. Right, I understand right. that. I'm, but, I, but I'm talking about head coach to GM. Oh, well, he's, so, he's already thinking that, oh, he's – this That's is, what I'm saying. You're setting me up to fail, but I need to know what you think the plan is so I can figure out a way to try and save it with the players because then I'm still going to tell the players something without talking to you about so that way I can try and save myself. Okay. So so let, let's do this. Let's do this. <laughs> I think this is going to be amazing. I'm, I'm going to let you be the GM. I'm going to let you be the GM. I'm walking into your office because I'm down in the – I'm going to be Steve Wilkes. <clears throat> I'm going to be Steve Wilkes. I'm down in my meeting room and breaking news. They just traded Christian McCaffrey. I just got this damn job. First of all, hold up. We we get rid of Robbie Anderson. And I'm like, ah, that hurt a little bit. But I ain't going to go in the office. I'm going I'm to chill. That like, you know, we're not expected to win many games anyway. You know, it's cool. Boop, breaking news. Bam. Christian McCaffrey. Gone. Shit. Now I got to go say something because he's tripping now. All right, I'm getting ready to come to your office, Jim. Uh, <clears throat> like, hey, man, I, I'm trying to win football games here. I, 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 like, what, what is your plan? What is your plan? Because my plan, you got rid of Robbie Anderson. You got rid of Christian McCaffrey. I mean, we were already playing bad to begin with. Now you really have put us behind the eight ball. I'm trying to – you know I want to be a head coach, right? The, the, I, I don't want to look like shit out here and – you know what? I, I'm gonna listen to you. What, what do you have to say? Because you just got rid of two of my best players. What are we doing? Are you finished? Can I talk now? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. All right. So uh, for one, you came to me after Robbie Anderson went off you on the sideline, said you want him out of here. So I got rid of him for you. I did what you asked me to do. McCaffrey, uh, he's got a huge amount of contract coming up. I want to be able to get us the best players going forward. You could be that coach for us in the future. So I'm trying to set you up for the future because McCaffrey's going to cost us $12, $14 million next year. We can use that for other pieces, and I have confidence in what we got behind them. So I think we can still win with this team. I think you're the right guy to do it for this year, so let's do it and show me that you can be here next year. 
Damn, Gary, that was good. <laughs> that was good, Gary. That's all they are. They just puff you up. That was good. You sound just like them. <laughs> so I'm Steve Wilkes. I get up. I feel like I want to run through a wall. And then now my message to them is, hey, I believe in y'all. We got rid of those. I, and then it just trickles downhill from there. Correct. It's That's a great... It's all about tricking the mind is what they're doing. They're just tricking the mind of everybody from the top up. And then the owner is probably telling the GM the same thing, even though the owner may get rid of the GM next year. Who knows? Dude, that was absolutely amazing. That was a great that was a great transition right there, Gary. That was beautiful. That was beautiful. Okay, so we got rid of Christian McCaffrey. We got rid of Robbie Anderson. We've had our conversations. Moving forward, we're two and we're two and five. We beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now let's shift over. To the Tampa Bay Buccaneers because we've talked about the Carolina Panthers. Correct. Well, no, we didn't. We didn't talk about PJ Walker. I we're gonna get, we go we're gonna go back to that. 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 We're gonna talk about this other quarterback over in Tom Brady. Is he done? No. Is he done? I know they had a lot of drop balls yesterday. Is he done, Gary? Because they hadn't scored. He bro, he got held to three points yesterday. Three points yesterday. He hadn't looked well or good in the last few games. They've given a lot of pressure on him. Same offense they won the Super Bowl gear. Same exact minus Antonio Brown, uh, which was probably a big deal, and we'll get to that too because this is this is on that side over there. We'll talk about him in a little bit. But is he done? You tell me why he's not done. I don't think he's done. I do think a lot of his personal life is creeping into his work life. I do think a lot of that's taking a toll on him. But I don't know if it's causing the issues that Tampa's having. Tampa's O-line has played so bad. It's just like Carolina's O-line. They did not play good. And Tampa's O-line used to be a focal point that stopped everything. Brady never got touched. Like you said, Brady's getting hit all the time now. So it's making him a little more uncomfortable back there. And then drop balls, which Brady's not, you know, Brady's not a fan of the drop balls. No. He's going to put it in the right spot, and you do not drop it. That's not what you do. Right. It's hard, it's hard to be successful if people are dropping balls. But he has the weapons, but the problem is they got no running game. Their running game is abysmal the last few games. And I think they, they everything is predicated. If they can run the ball, it opens up their pass. If they're just set the pass and they can't run, the teams are just teeing off, blitzing, all that stuff, and the O-line can't pick it up. Because O line's got injuries and they're not performing the way you would want them to perform. And I think I don't want to hear that shit. I don't want to hear that shit, Gary. You giving them excuse. I have seen Tom Brady win championships with no damn running game and with no offensive line. We've seen him do this time and time and time again. So what you're telling me is, is this is not the same Tom Brady that we're used to. Now we gotta now we gotta be the mere mortal Tom Brady where he's gonna look like every other quarterback. That's what you're telling me? Because if that's the case, he's not there anymore. He also lost games when he didn't have a running back during those Super Bowl runs as well. And yeah, but this this not even this ain't even a this but he's never he's three and four right now. Right now three been, he's three he's three and four right now. He's never I've never seen a Tom Brady team three and four. They will still make the playoffs and probably still win the division. Bro, well, you tripping. You tripping now. You tripping now. Who's gonna beat him for the division? Atlanta's not beating him for the division. Carolina's not beating him for the division. 
Saints aren't beating them for the division. All three of the all three all four teams right now are not very good, playing very good. Right. So I, who's I, gonna? I, the best opportunity is Tampa because they have the best playmakers around and the best team. Now they have to put it together as a team and do it. I think they still have the best option to make to win their division because other teams are struggling with so many other levels as well, and then they don't have those type of players to bring them out of everything. So we'll be interested to see how that division shapes out, but I still think Tampa wins that division. They just have to get it together sooner than later because if they don't, you're going to see – you could see Atlanta sneak out and somehow get that division. So I think it's going to be Atlanta or New Orleans. If not, Carolina, you never know. They could sneak up there, but I just – I can't see that. Carolina sneak in and get into the playoffs, Gary. I'm going to tell you I told you so. That's fine. But so – so. Yeah, so you're telling me that Tom Brady's not done. No. A lot of drop balls. Came out, he said he's going to try to play as long as he can possibly play. Obviously, we could see Giselle was holding him back. Giselle was the reason why he retired in the first place. Now, he done unhitched that trailer, and he cool now. I, I got this question. Mike Evans streaking down the field. Tom Brady hit him in his hands. Tom Brady, the, the Tom Brady that I used to know would lose his shit, bro. On certain players, do you think he held back on Mike Evans because Mike Evans got suspended the one game for taking up for him? Yes, one thousand <laughs> percent. Like, there's certain people that he like. He wouldn't have done it to Randy Moss. He wouldn't have done it to AB. He's not gonna do it Mike Evans because Mike Evans obviously set up for him. I honestly, I think if it was Godwin, I think he'd have went off on Godwin. Really? So you said you, Chris is not there yet. You're saying Chris. I think Chris Collins is great, but I don't think uh, I don't I'm think talking about he's not there, there in terms no, of like with, the respect that correct. Yeah, I, I don't think well because he was hurt all this year, so a lot of it comes from like Tom's repertoire with you building that trust with you as a receiver. Yeah, and, uh, and he has because Godwin got hurt beginning last year, in the last year, beginning of this year, training camp, all that kind of stuff. So like he wasn't able to build that. Now, if he was healthy, I think he would have because he's been there with him enough and all that kind of stuff. But I still think if something like that happened with Godwin, I think he would probably go talk. I don't know if he'd yell at him. I think he would talk because he went off on the old line. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. He was snapping. Yeah. And I was like, I was looking for that same energy with Mike. He was like, man, dang. He dropped the ball. <laughs> nah, he – yeah, I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. So um, they they didn't lose uh, lose it. You saying Tom Brady, um, he hadn't lost it. He's still there. All right, so we're going to transition from Tampa Bay because I, I, I want to talk about this other football game, and then we'll be off of football and we can no, talk. We are talking about P.J. Walker first. <sighs> I'm just I, we talked about this where time had said the fans wanted Baker, they wanted Sam Dart. Last year they wanted Cam Newton, and I have been clamoring just to give PJ Walker a shot. That's all I've asked. I tried to I, save everybody from this. I tried to save everybody from this. I'm not saying PJ Walker's the answer by any means. I'm saying he's the best option they have right now. I don't he's a better passer than Baker, and he's a better passer than Darnold is. Now if you want to say Darnold when he comes back, whatever, that's fine. But P.J. Walker right now, he's not a legit future starter. I think he's a backup. But he is a great player right now for their team because obviously the team played really well behind him last week, last week or yesterday. So the week before, they were terrible. I think also a part of the reason why they were bad the week before was they were playing everything through McCaffrey. 
because he was their best player. Now that reins are off because McCaffrey's gone. They played through every player now. And I think it's opened up their offense a little more and allowed them to hit more players and, and, and bring more players into the fold. On, and that's what allowed the passing game to open with DJ Moore getting touchdowns and like seven catches or whatnot. The dual running back scheme, that obviously worked. So I think that actually helped the uh, offense by not focusing everything through McCaffrey. And I think it showed this week. Do you die? Or are you done? No, that's it. I just wanted you, to know you, do, you, do, you, you do know that P.J. Walker, he, even though you're saying he's the best quarterback to play that position for the Carolina Panthers right now, he doesn't have a great win percentage, and he's not statistically like a great quarterback. I just wanted to let you know that. He's 3-1 and one in two years. Two last year and one this year, and he lost one this year. And then they handed Cam the reins last year. Man. Okay. All right. <laughs> okay. That's what you want to do, man. You could do that. Uh, is he your starting quarterback going forward? For the time being, yes. Even when Sam Darnold, even with, you know. Uh, I think coming back, yes. I think he's shown that he was able to do it this week. I think you do. Because what happens if you put Baker back in and y'all lose three more? And you're like, well, I should have. You should at least try. It's not going to hurt you to try. Like you, you can't be worse than you were with Baker when he was playing. So why not? You just won with PJ. Give him another shot. See if he can keep it going. Take the hot hand right now. You you don't do that at quarterback, Gary. Especially if you're a two and five team and you're trying to win football games and make it into the playoffs. Before PJ, you were one and five. Just saying. Uh, okay. Or, I'm, I'm sorry, one and four, because PJ did play the game before. So I can't say that. PJ was one on one right now this year. So. I'm trying my I'm trying my best to move on to this other game real quick because I this PJ Walker thing I know it's gonna come back to bite you in your ass and I'm trying to save you. Oh, I am really trying to now, save go with you. Them. That's all. I I am trying to save you. So I, I I want you to talk about this. I again I know the answer to it, but it's always great when you can explain it to people. Um, so I'm I play for. The Pittsburgh Steelers. T.J. Watt, he's just coming back. Tua, he's just coming back as well. And we're getting ready to play a prime time football game. Everybody in the world know that Tua has a head problem or issue or something like that, right? And if I'm a defender, am I trying my best to take care of him to make sure I don't do anything egregious to his head because we all know that he have, you know, it's kind of one of those things where people just assume because we work together, we just, that's the top of our mind. Like we can differentiate six from nine to 12 to 13. And all we see is color when everybody's moving that fast. But I, I want you to explain to me, like, is it, is it my civil duty to protect him as a player? Because I know he has those head issues. So if I am Pittsburgh, I am doubling Tyreek Kill with my second best corner to safety. I'm putting my best corner on Jalen Waddle, and I'm blitzing the house every play. 
That's I'm Pittsburgh. That's what I'm doing. I'm blitzing every play to make too uncomfortable. Because you know he's coming back from all this stuff. And it's not about trying to cause a concussion. It's just you got to make him uncomfortable in the pocket because he's already going to be thinking about that in the back of his head. So right. you're going to put that in his head even more and try and make him make mistakes. You're not trying to injure him. You're just trying to make him make mistakes because he's going to think about getting hit. Okay. And when this player hits him, is it my duty as a player to either ease up or like not hit him as hard? Uh, You see what I'm saying? You see what I'm asking here? It's not the duty of any defensive player to ease up. It is the duty of the other team's medical staff to make sure he's healthy enough to play. He's healthy enough to play. He's healthy enough to take this hit. But, okay. All right. That's just, that's what, as a player, that's what you're thinking. Like, if I'm running a route and somebody's got a sprained ankle, I'm telling the coach, hey, he's got a sprained ankle, cover me. He's limping when he's covering me. Throw me the ball. We're going to take advantage of that. Like, you said that's no game. He shouldn't be in the game because, but the staff says he's good enough to play, but obviously he's running. He's limping every time he runs. We're going to throw it to him. You see teams do that all the time with corners. If a corner's limping when they're running, they call the, hurry up, and they throw to that receiver to take advantage of that injured player. I, I, it, it blows my mind when fans were say, I, I can't believe he hit him like that. You know, he, he had this or he had that, you know, and, and I, that's a great explanation on why he got his ass hit the way that he got hit. But if you watch the game, did you see him lower his shoulder and try to run the guy over? Yeah, that's something you don't do. If you have uh, that, you just, bro. Just slide. Bro, I was I was laughing, and that's why I asked that question. If you're a defender, do you ease up? Because if you ease up right there and he runs you over. Right, right. You ease up. He run you over right there, and he keep going. Now you on the face of every – it's a it's a double-edged sword, man. It's so, tough. For anybody that's never played football, they always will tell you, when you ease up in a game, that's when you hurt yourself. So you never ease up. You go 100 miles. Even if you mess up and do the wrong thing, go 100 miles an hour, full speed, because if you let up, that's when you get that rolled angle because somebody gets rolled up on you or you – hurt yourself by planning wrong because you're not ready or you're not prepared. Like you always go full speed because if you don't, you're more likely to get hurt. And I think that you can't let up. Because imagine you go to slow to let up before you hit them, knowing you're going to get a sack, and then all of a sudden an old lineman comes out of nowhere and just cold cocks you and knocks you down and you get a concussion. That's because you slowed up. You weren't going full speed because you were worried about hitting them. No, you can't do that. Or you you get ready to hit him, and then the old lineman throws the defender into your leg and lands on your ankle or your knee, and you get hurt because you slow it up. You can't. You just got to go full speed. He's playing. He was cleared. You got. That's how you got to treat it. I like it, Gary. I like it. You speaking some facts today, bro. You are speaking some facts today. I. Uh, it was interesting sitting back watching all the games this weekend uh, because that was one of the things that came up uh, when we were talking, you know, football. Uh, what do you got here? I... Uh, so we were supposed to talk about last week, but actually another thing happened uh, this week over the weekend uh, that brought it up where I want to talk about it again. Obviously, you learned on The Amazing Race, I am an art aficionado. I love artwork. So uh, I want to get your take 
because you're not you don't really care about art but i no, don't, I don't think you care about like protesters doing like destroying things either so I don't, no I don't. I don't think you like that either so no. it's an interesting take because it you don't really care about either one so i want to know how you feel about uh protesters throwing tomato soup on an 81 million dollar painting or throw this this last week throwing mashed potatoes on a hundred and ten million dollar painting like just because of climate something to talk about climate change how how can you expect somebody to take you serious when you're destroying priceless works of art uh and you're talking about climate change when artwork literally has nothing to do with climate change I was trying to figure that out, Gary. I've been watching these protests, and I watched them throw some soup on a pain. Also, you have the, and, uh, the no, this is not art, but dumping out the milk in the uh, England uh, grocery stores, going grabbing milk and just dumping it on the floor. Like what? And that's all because of global cli uh, climate change, all that stuff. Talking about like stop using I, milk from uh, cows. So like that's just going to produce more milk, I would think, because they're, now they got to replenish all that. I, it it this is what I don't understand, Gary. And 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 I'm I'm okay with the I, I am okay with protest, Gary. I really am. Non-violent protest, I'm okay with. Now there's other protests that I'm not okay with, like ones that don't have an end game, like the climate control. Like I I, I don't know what the end game is there. Uh, one and then two, like the protest, like with the milk, saying you know. If we're vegan or pescatarian, like should all meat eaters protest the people that don't eat meat and say, "Hey, you know, I just go around slapping people with steaks"? <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Like, I, I don't understand how. I, I, I mean, we all fighting some though. I, I, I get it. I just don't understand their battle, and because I don't understand their battle, I don't want to speak negative on it because oh, no, I, I understand. you see what I'm saying. But, but, but with the climate control though, I, I, I don't. Uh, this is what I've always wondered, Gary, and 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 you'll get what I'm saying here. I, I watched uh, Game of Thrones, right? And I'm I watch House of Dragons, and and House of Dragon is set 200 years before um, um, uh, Game of Thrones. Okay, 200 years. Don't spoil anything. I'm not gonna spoil anything in in House of Dragons. They talk about uh, from king to king to king to king to king to king that winter is coming. It's 200 years from that. So if they up until that point, we don't know how many years it's been uh, going from winter to winter. But it finally came. 200 years later, we know this because it's in Game of Thrones. My whole point is, is how long have people been saying like, hey, the climate change. I mean, we, we obviously we could see it. You, you know what I'm saying? But like over time, was it something that was going to happen anyway? Like what we do, we, we cut it down from like I, and again, I'm not on either side. I, I because I don't understand the, the end game. Like, OK, what, what do you want us to do? You want us to shut down cars like you? What, what, what how can we slow it down? You see what I'm saying? Like there's. If there's an answer to the question, then then help us. But if that answer to the question requires the entire world to change how they're living, then your odds of getting it changed are slim to none, Gary. Well, I think like you made a good point with that. If you think the world's like the some of the worst pollution is China and India, and they right. are they don't have standards they go by. They do what they want, and nobody can tell them otherwise. 
So like, that's never going to change. And if it's not going to change, you want everybody else to make up for their issues. So that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Than what they are. And like, I, I don't, like you said, I, I do, I'm all for going green. I have solar on my house. I'm all for it. But again, it's not feasible for everybody to do that because it's so expensive. It's expensive to put solar on your house. It's expensive for a electric car. The, the trucks that are now that electric, they're starting like $75,000, $80,000. Like, but you want everybody to go electric, but it, they can't afford it. So like, how, how, how can we do this type of stuff if, if it's not affordable for middle America? That's the thing. It, it has to be affordable for middle America to be able to get these things for you to try and expect change to happen. You can't just say, oh, you need to go do it. But all the people that are saying that have all this money that they can afford to do it. The people that aren't saying it are the people that don't have that money. That's the problem because they can't afford to do it. And I think that's lost on a lot of people when it comes to that. But I don't understand what throwing soup on a priceless painting, throwing mashed potatoes on a painting, and yeah. throwing something like that is going to actually do for you for climate change. What is actually going to, what awareness is going to bring? Is, is this, people gonna, you're just crazy. This is what I, this is what I'm trying to figure out. Uh, like, this is, and, and and it's gonna be me and you, Gear. We're gonna go back and it's kind of like this: the GM and Steve Wilkes. We're gonna be two protesters that's protesting uh, the climate change, and we're crowdsourcing what we're gonna do as a protest. Okay, all right, and uh, we're gonna go through our checklist. So up on the agenda today, uh, you know, climate change. These people just don't want to listen. They don't want to take notes. What we're going to do is we're going to crowdsource and see what we're going to do as a protest to grab the world's attention and make sure that they take us serious about what it is that we're protesting. Okay. Mike, you up first. What you got? Uh, I think we should, um, you know, maybe go take some mashed potatoes, take it into an art gallery and just destroy a priceless work of art because, you know, people care about their art, but they obviously don't care about climate change. So let's mess with the art. And maybe they'll actually think about climate change. Hmm. I didn't. That's brilliant. I'd have never thought about that in a million years. What what, what kind of soup you gonna throw on it though? Like, uh, I think I think we'll send one group to go do mashed potatoes, and then I'm gonna. I think we're gonna do tomato soup because it's orange. And you know, orange is hard to get off of things. It's likes to stain. So let's do let's throw some orange on it and try and mess up this painting. And if we mess it up, so be it. At least our word will be out about climate change. Man, if nobody I, you, else is talking about it. We might as well do it. You know what, Mike? Our meeting is adjourned. We got everything that we need. We're going. We're going to suit up tomorrow. Uh, make sure you guys wear your uh, your 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 hats because it's going to be chilly. But when we throw it on there, we're going to all kneel down. We're going to put our hand on the wall and we're going to chant whatever it is we need to chant. And they're going to they're going to feel us today. Ready, break. <laughs> That's crazy. Gary. You think that was a process, though? It wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, I just, I just don't like you said, I don't know what the end game of destroying a painting or trying to destroy a painting actually does. Yeah, you're going to get the headlines, but nobody's going to care in a week about what you did. Besides yeah. people that care about art, and they're, they're not going to like, oh, I'm going to go do worry about climate change because you destroy art. They're like, well, how do we fix this? Okay. How and it's just going to make it harder for people to see art now because so now this is hard to get now. In. So this is what bothers me about this whole thing. 
even about this art. You got a hundred and ten million dollar pain. You got a fifty, eighty million dollar pain that they they destroyed. It bothers me that something like that you wouldn't protect your investment, like put it in, encase it in something. Now, the one. The so if it's in, yeah, if it's if it's encased and I throw something on it, then all you doing is messing up the encasement. That's just a little wipe off. Hey, you going to jail? Uh, you gonna lose your job and everything else that's associated with what you got going on? And all I gotta do is wipe it off and we roll on. So they actually messed up a painting. So yes, but some places. Uh, they can't put glass on certain paintings because of the painting. Certain paintings can't yeah. protect the stuff because it can mess yeah. up what's inside. And then also, part of the painting is the frame. You can't encase the frame, too, because a lot of that needs air or it could be messed up. Unless you pressurize every painting you have in your building, it could mess up the frame. So the frame is part of the painting, and that could be messed up, too. And like you know, if you ever see a painting, even if you put glass on it, if it's not in front of everything, it can still seep underneath. If it was soup, it could seep underneath and get inside underneath the glass through the little holes because it's soup, it's liquid. Liquid can go through little the smallest holes possible. So it can still get into the painting and mess it up. And it's just a lot of process you have to do. And with stuff like that, that's not replaceable. There's not a second one. Like that's so, and you can't, it's impossible. I think I would think it's impossible from every museum to encase everything in glass with pressurized air or whatever to make sure things doesn't get destroyed because then it also takes away from the viewer looking at the artwork. Because now so, you gotta see it inside of a case instead of in its natural beauty. So 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 you're more so upset, not the fact that they're <laughs> that they're fighting climate change. You're upset at the fact that the way that you now have to view art is gonna be different. I don't know. It's more of like the way that they're trying to destroy things that actually is going to have no benefit to what they're fighting for. Like artwork literally has no benefit. Well, what if I, but so, so, okay, I know that, but what if I, like, I, but see, I'm not artistic. I'm not into art, so, so I don't I'll understand get, like pain strokes and stuff like that. Like, I, I, I feel like there's, there's artists right now that are living that are living, that are absolutely phenomenal, and that are better than any artist that came before them. That's Da Vinci, any, uh, any Leonardo, uh, all of them. You know what I'm saying? Like, but be because they're like the Rolexes and the they they came first. You know what I'm saying? And like was the first one to maybe adopt that style, which is understandable. But I, I'm just saying that there's artwork now. That's a hundred times better than the artwork then, so, but yet the value is different. So I would agree in the aspect that they, but the original people that created the art, like Monet and Da Vinci and all of those guys, they had they created the techniques, they created these styles, and they created like they did all this stuff without the technology we have. So they did it with less technology. Now it's easier to do certain things like that because it's easier to learn new styles because you have more around you to see on. They're just doing stuff literally on an easel and a brush. That's it. You still do that now, but now you have so many different colors to choose from, so many different styles of paint to choose from. You can make things more livid. And you may see artists now go down in 200, 300 years as better than those guys. But it's just, it's a time thing too. Da Vinci's and Monet's, some of these paintings are 200 years old. Like, and then, and that's, that's, the, that's where it comes down to. It's also time-based. 
Like, yeah, these paintings in 200 years could be crazy expensive. I guarantee you if Banksy, if they ever put, stop doing like walls and actually put the actual stuff, that's going to be a big thing because nobody really knows who Banksy is. And that uh, anonymity can allow that to be even higher priced in 150, 200 years. But it's going to take time for those values to go up because that, it took time for Da Vinci's. Da Vinci's and all that stuff weren't crazy expensive right after he died. It got more and more the longer he was dead. Just like right. trading cards, if a, if a a star player passes away, their cards skyrocket. If it was a rookie and stuff like that, it, it's everything in like the collecting world. The longer, same with wines. Aged wine costs more than new wine because it's older, and it's and you can't recreate it. And I think that's probably the biggest thing is like these artists will be huge and great. Andy Warhol's paintings are expensive now. He's been dead for I want to say 20, 30 years, and it's just going to keep going higher and higher, like because of who he was, what he was able to do, and the stuff he captured. And I think that it's all about the time base when it comes to like collecting and art and stuff like that. Yeah, this has been a really tough podcast, Gary, because I feel like you living your best life, and I don't know what the hell you're talking about. Well, I just, well, <laughs> I just, I don't understand how. To me, if I'm an art person, like even you're not, but so if it's saying something you they got your attention though, Gary. They did it. The protest did exactly well, what it was supposed it to didn't do. Didn't because it's not going to make me go worry about climate change. It's going to actually piss me off about it now. Like now, I don't want to do anything because of what they did. Like it does a re- reverse to me because it makes no sense. Hey, uh, so it's the same thing. Like I feel like that would be with you though. Like if they destroyed, they destroyed, destroyed all the sneakers you had. Hey, Gary, why, why you got to personally attack me, bro? Why you got to <laughs> well, personally saying, attack like, me? Because, see, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you. going to make you do climate change now. Right. I'm going to tell y'all something about Gary. I'm going to tell you how petty Gary is. And this is probably something that he did, and then we're going to end this podcast. No, I got one more thing, and then we can end it. Okay, so Gary probably saw this on the news or when he was scrolling through that the protesters were throwing uh, random... Uh, food items on to expensive museum paintings. He probably went outside, started his car, and revved his engine for about thirty minutes. <laughs> for about thirty minutes, got back out of his car, went back in the house, and said, "Take that." <laughs> no, I didn't do that. That would be funny, though. Be funny. <laughs> what you got, Gary? So- Last thing is something we talked about last week. Uh, I want to talk about Halloween ends, and then we can end it. We can end it properly with Halloween ends. Oh, I hadn't seen it. You told me you would watch it. You wanted to talk about it. I hadn't seen it. Oh my gosh! All right. I well, haven't I seen it. We'll so give me another week. week. Give me another week. Give me another week. Well, no. Before we go, make sure you watch Hellraiser too. Because we could talk about that. They did like a remake of Hellraiser on Hulu. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. Now you can say it. Now you're out. (laughs) You are now listening to the Cinnamon and Sugar Podcast featuring D'Angelo Williams and Gary Barnage. You are now listening to the Cinnamon and Sugar Podcast featuring D'Angelo Williams and Gary Barnage. You are now listening to 